Welcome to the Women Want Strong Men podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stuttle. I believe it takes a strong man to appreciate a strong woman, and I'm here to bring a unique perspective to empower both sexes. I love talking with health experts, thought leaders, influencers, and people who have insightful information to share with us about our health, our society, and our pursuit for success and prosperity. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amy Suttle. Today, we're going to be talking about a game-changing weight loss medication called semaglutide, brand name Wagovi. It is the first weight loss medication approved by the FDA since 2014. To help explain this medication in detail and how and why it works, I have Dr. David Yablonski on the show. Dr. Yablonski has been practicing medicine for over 20 years and is a board-certified internist who has clinical experience with this medication. So welcome to the show, Doc. Thank you. Great to be here. So much attention has been given recently to semaglutide in both scientific circles and in the media. This was prompted by the publication of a landmark article in the New England Journal of Medicine addressing the impact this medication had in a large clinical trial. So maybe let's just start with what even is semaglutide? Yeah, it's been a game changer. There's no doubt. And just before I answer that, just maybe stepping back a little bit. Obesity is such a problem. When I see patients in the clinic, I would say probably half, if not two-thirds of my patients are having health problems related to their body composition, meaning too much fat and oftentimes obese. So patients, but doctors alike, are always looking for better solutions for weight loss because it's certainly not going to be very effective. When a patient comes in, I say, hey, you know what? You're overweight. Go on a diet, exercise more. I'll see you in six months. That's not really very practical advice. So to get to your question then, this class of medications, and it's called GLP-1 agonists, and GLP stands for, and I know you know this, but glucagon-like peptide. And that's a naturally occurring hormone that's made in the gastrointestinal tract. So this medication was probably first discovered back in the late 80s, way before I was a doctor. But it came on the the scene in type 2 diabetes treatment in 2005. And I can tell you that I've been using it to treat diabetics along with many other doctors because probably half of what I do is treat diabetes since, uh, well, probably 10 years now. I think it's been out for closer to 15 or 16 years, but I've been using it pretty routinely for about 10 years. In the last five years, it's become even more popular for type 2 diabetes. We're seeing an excellent side effect profile with it, and it's very effective in lowering people's blood sugar. But one of the benefits to it and why it's been so effective is it causes weight loss. And I think that got on the radar screen where the question was posed, well, hey, could this be a new weight loss medication? As it turns out, as you suggested, it in fact is probably now the most effective pharmaceutical weight loss option that has ever existed. I'm sure there will be ones coming out in the future that may be even better. In fact, the best treatment for obesity, and I know not all the patients we deal with are obese, and we'll talk about that, but sort of starting out with the most difficult patient to treat in terms of weight would be somebody who's clinically obese. And the real gold standard for the most effective intervention, besides telling someone to diet, is actually bariatric surgery. That's got the most data and outcome studies, and it's got long-term outcomes. And so next to an invasive surgical procedure, 
this new class of medications, GLP-1 receptor agonists, is the next best thing. And it's the best medication that's currently available to treat obesity. So maybe let's talk about the brand names of these and the differences. Because when you're using it to treat a diabetic, you're using Ozempic, right? Yeah, it's really confusing. Exactly. So you've got the generic name. Every drug out there, every pharmaceutical that's put out has what's called a generic name. And the generic name of this substance is, and there's different, you and I were joking earlier about how you pronounce this, like tomato or tomato. So it's, it could be semaglutide or semaglutide. Same thing either way. Wash, washer, whatever. Something. Exactly. Yeah. So this medication, that's the generic name. Now, if that medication is used to treat diabetes, which has a certain dosing schedule, it's called Ozempic. And people probably know their commercials on TV. And I remember the commercial because it's probably the most annoying commercial that's ever been put on TV. So this is how I remember it, which is probably what they intended to do. (laughs) But if you take the same medication, change the dosing a little bit, which is now FDA approved, then it's called Wagovi. So I know what people are talking about when they say, hey, that weight loss drug, Ozempic or semaglutide or sumaglutide or Wagovi, it's kind of all the same thing. And then what about the oral version? Oh, yeah. Rebelcus? Rebelsi or... Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Rebelsus. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's what you just said. Yeah, you caught me off guard. It's a new one. And it's the same medication in an oral version. And by the way, and I know that maybe we're getting off the topic, but... Stay tuned for that one because the question that's saying, hey, wait a minute, if I can give this shot, because right now semaglutide comes in, it's an injection. That's the only way you get it, and that's how it works. It's a once a week injection. It's so small, you don't even feel it. But there's an oral version that I'm suspecting is going to have the same benefits in a pill form coming And it out. looks like it has, from what I've been reading, a similar side effect profile, which is very minimal. So it's nice to see an oral version coming out because even though it's just a small, tiny diabetes needle, some people just freak out at the thought of a shot. If it's period. a needle's a needle. They can't. It's a deal breaker for some people. But I promise you literally cannot really feel at all a needle with an insulin syringe. I agree. I think of it this way. Here's what I tell patients that need to have injections, subcutaneous injections. Like, look, there are kids that are type 1 diabetics. So you have six-year-old children that can give themselves a shot of insulin. Okay, so so basically I degrade people. So pull it together. Yeah, so pull it together. If they can do it, you can do it, yeah. But yeah, the oral version is already out. So Rebelsis is out right now for type 2 diabetes. But yes, it's probably going to also be indicated for the treatment of uh, obesity. So what kind of weight loss results can a patient expect from this medication? So that's what's pretty exciting. Now, there's ongoing studies to look at different angles on this. And, I, and the first one that came out, number one, was, as you mentioned, New England Journal of Medicine published in March of 2021. This landmark study was a little over 1,900 patients. And what that showed was that greater than 50% of the patients, a little over 50% of the patients, achieved at least a 15% and that's 15% of their of their weight loss. So if you weighed 200 pounds, you lost 15%. That's the equivalent of 30 pounds, right? That's huge. That's a lot of weight. And there's some people that achieve considerably more. Now, there was some people that were less, 
but on average, people were 15% or more. So yeah, that's really clinically significant because if you're a five foot four, 200 pound woman, that's heavy, and you lose 30 pounds, you're now down to 170, that could be a game changer in terms of your blood sugars, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, your joints, how you feel. So it's a pretty big deal. And we can compare it to some of the other options that have been available up to this point, but there's no approved pharmaceutical that has a greater weight loss than this, except, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention this, this is how fast this arena is moving, right? And I think you've brought it up before. There's a competitor coming out, same mechanism, right? So it's a GLP-1 agonist, but it's got to be slightly different on a molecular basis, and it's going to be even greater weight loss, looking at probably over 20% weight loss. Oh, Amy, what's the name of that one? You, you, Terzeptide? Uh, Terzeptide. Thank you. Thank you. It's not even out yet. I haven't even used it yet. But this is literally information that came out, I think, just a few weeks ago. It's very new. So same class, but we're going to look at even greater weight loss potential. So you mentioned some of the other weight loss medications on the market. Hit on those a little bit and, and what you've seen with your experience with those. Yeah. So Fentramine, let me start with that one because that's the one everybody knows about. That's the one that everybody wants. That's the one that everybody is going on the internet trying to to get it. <laughs> it's the one that doctors are, we always kind of bite our lips if we even prescribe it. So Fentramine, historically, it's been around a long time. So there is a certain comfort level with that, but it's certainly no panacea. It helps. It's an appetite suppressant. It has a stimulant effect. So probably 8 to 10% body, excuse me, no, we're going to talk about a combination drug, fentramine plus topiramate too, but fentramine by itself is about 16 pounds. I'll give you the, the pounds, okay? So, so not insignificant by any means, but it's a controlled substance. Why is that? Because it's a stimulant and people abuse it. So if you're a provider uh, and you're prescribing this, you're always aware that you're prescribing a controlled substance. There's going to be a subset of patients that use it recreationally. They may snort it, inject it. They may sell it. I mean, there's a street value to it. So it's subject to abuse. And in the wrong person, it's it's been known to cause some cardiovascular problems, sometimes a fast heart rate, elevated blood pressure. And there's not a lot of data on it. It's been around a long time. So there's a lot of anecdotal experience with it, but there was, I, th- I think everything's based on one 36 week trial done many years ago. So it's not the greatest, but in the right person, we, we certainly use it. We've got people who, who, if I can get 16 pounds off of them might change their health. And so you at least help them get started with that. Now, what I was mentioning right before that is Another drug came out not that long ago where they combined fentramine with a medicine that's actually been used for seizures, uh, typically, and nerve problems called topiramate. Topamax is the brand name of that. And that one is a little better in terms of overall body weight. In fact, next to semaglutide or semaglutide, fentramine combined with topiramate probably has the next best quantity of weight loss, about 8 to 10% of your body weight. So... That's pretty good. However, it can cause all sorts of side effects. Something called paresthesias, and paresthesias are a sense of tingling in your limbs usually. It can be very uncomfortable. In the wrong person, it can cause psychiatric side effects. It's known constipation. And 
we know that because of the the topiramate portion. And so when we prescribe it for seizures, you know, we have to warn people that, look, you may have these side effects and we do see these side effects. So, and then you got to add the fentramine on top of it, which can, oh yeah. And you can also have the cardiovascular issues and the unknowns in terms of how it affects your heart and cardiovascular system. So it's certainly better than nothing, but doesn't really compare as well to the topic today of semaglutide. So what is the side effect profile of semaglutide? So in terms of safety, it's really good. Things that are actually dangerous, very, very low. The biggest side effect is nausea. So you have to start it at a low dose and slowly titrate it up. People get used to it. Not everybody gets nauseated, but it's certainly, if you're going to have a side effect, it'll be that. It's usually mild nausea. You definitely don't want to overeat on it. So for those people that get really full, you know that person, well, I'm probably that person, where you're having dinner and you're literally saying, oh my God, I just ate so much I could throw up. Yeah. And then you're like, let's order dessert. <laughs> if you're on this drug, don't do that because you will throw up. It'll cause you some nausea and you have to respect that. But the nausea is mild and it gets better over time. And as you slowly increase the medication, it you'll get used to it. And then that sensation will go away for most people. Just from what we've seen with clinical experience, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like more females complaining about the side effect of slight nausea than the men. When you talk to the man, they're just either not as in tune with their body or they don't react the same way. We're just not that bright. We just don't know that we're (laughs) nauseous. I don't know the hard data on that, but I would say anecdotally, just from the experience. Well, let's see here. I definitely have more women than men that seem to want to, to get this medication in my regular clinic. Now at Victory Men's Health, obviously it's a men's clinic, so it's all men here. You know, there may be something to what you're saying, though, because when I think about the men that we have started on here, I really haven't heard any complaints. It's only the women complaining. It's only the, it's only the women that I know that are on it. So you're, there's something to be said for that. You're right. No offense to anybody, but, you know, that's our experience. None taken. Yeah, of course. So why does semaglutide work? So here's the basics of it. So GLP, as I said, is, it stands for glucagon-like peptide, and it does three things that are known. Now, there may be some things that are not quite understood yet that are benefits as well, but the the hardcore, you know, party line, if you will, is going to be increased insulin secretion. So that's why it's helpful in diabetics. But we know that we can use it in people who are non-diabetics. So that's not always what we want if we're a non-diabetic. And it also decreases glucagon, which is a hormone that causes increased sugar. So if you decrease something that increases something, you're going to get a decrease. Does that make sense? I probably confused people. But to answer your question, it also causes delayed gastric emptying. So that's where the weight loss, most of it comes in, at least as far as we know. That's also good for diabetics, yes. But as far as just trying to lose weight, that delayed gastric emptying causes a sense of fullness, decreased appetite, you get full more easily. And so I always tell people, look, if you're used to eating, whatever portion size you're used to eating, you're probably going to have less than half of that. And you're going to feel full. It's not like you're walking away hungry. You're just not going to want to eat anymore, which is a good thing. There may be some other things at play too. And before the show, we had talked about this with how it may affect the intestinal microbiome or the gut microbiome. And there's literally trillions of microbial organisms in your GI tract, trillions. It's really kind of a hot area. There's lots of new studies and interest in how this whole living force in your intestines interplays with the rest of your body, especially with your brain. 
And so it's quite possible that this class of medication, the GLP-1 receptor agonist, has some interplay with the gut microbiome that may also play into this weight loss. I just don't know that I can elucidate what that mechanism is for sure, but there's some studies out there on mice that are pretty interesting. Yeah, and the studies that I've read, they kind of seem to allude to that concept too, but just like you said, a little unsure how it's impacting that. But there does seem to be increasing evidence that the dysregulation of the microbiome impacts our overall metabolism. Yeah. In fact, what stood out, and I know this is maybe getting out there, but in this uh, one study on mice, they took the microbiome of it. They got some of the mice obese. (laughs) So I bet that's not hard to do. Just keep feeding them. And then their microbiome looked different than the thin mice. And they took, they actually do a fecal transplant. They took feces from the fat mouse and they implanted it into the skinny mouse so that that skinny mouse's microbiome, intestinal microbiome, would be similar to the donor mouse. And they, in fact, then started to gain weight similarly. So they, or they were more prone to becoming obese, or, or it was an easier process to become obese. So, yeah, I wouldn't say, therefore, that's how it's going to be in humans. But we do mice experiments because mice are very close to humans genetically, believe it or not. So let's talk about the cost of the medication, the compounded version versus commercially available. Here's where the rub lies. As a doctor with regular medical clinics, this game-changing substance comes out, right? And this happens all the time. It can literally change people's lives, their health. It allows me to, I could take weight off them. I could get them off medications. I could get their arthritis better, et cetera. Oh, insurance doesn't cover it though. Or If it covers it, it's under such restricted circumstances that essentially nobody seems to qualify for it. All right, doc, you know what? I'll just pay cash. Sure, you'll pay cash. It's between $1,300 and $1,600 per month. Now, that may change as there's more competition in the market. So that is a deal breaker for most people. So when I'm at Victory Men's Health as the medical director, we have a setup with a U.S. compounding pharmacy where we can get the same substance made with a very slight addition of of another substance, which is an anti-inflammatory. But that combination is just as good as the pharmaceutical brand and has some additional benefits to it. And it's about $1,000 less per month cash. So it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It gives patients access better access to it, game-changing medication for them. Game-changing medication where they can now get access to it, at least our patients can. And I don't know, I'm sure we're not the only ones doing this right now, but it's interesting. I, I haven't seen too many places yet pop up that are offering this in the same way that we are. I'm sure it's coming. And by the way, then buyer beware. So like a lot of things, people are going to jump out there trying to make money off of it at all costs. And you'll start to see it for sale online. And you really have to use reputable companies for this, reputable pharmacies. You don't want to go buying injectables online. You don't know what you're getting. Where's it coming from? Is it even an allowed approved substance probably made under foreign hands? It may be made in counterfeit pharmacies. We already know this exists all over the world. Uh, China is notorious for uh, exporting bogus counterfeit medications, and it all looks the same. There's problems uh, Mexico. So if I could plug anything today, it's buyer beware. Make sure you're dealing with reputable people who will therefore 
get you reputable product. So we recently just talked about how it's only being covered for people that meet this very strict criteria of obese diabetics. Yep. Let's talk about the use of it off label and where you see that going in the future of, let's say, for an individual that's not obese and looking for more of a health optimization approach. Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a lot of people, in fact, probably most of the people out there are not type 2 diabetics who are obese or morbidly obese with all sorts of other health problems on you know 10 medications. What about all the people, and there's a lot of people out there, millions and millions of uh, in the U.S., of course, who are overweight, definitely not obese, certainly not morbidly obese, but they're overweight, and we see it all the time. Their blood sugars are not diabetic, but they're sort of pre-diabetic. They're a little higher than they should be, and yeah, your blood pressure is just up there a little bit. You're not hypertensive, but you're pretty darn close, and you know you got a little bit more belly fat than you should, which is that metabolically active substance that causes a lot of these metabolic problems like diabetes and hypertension. Oh, your cholesterol is a little high. So yeah, the vanity, I get that. Like, oh, it's also, yeah, bathing suit season. I want to look a certain way and, you know, with less clothes now, because it's not the the winter where we're all in parkas. I get that. And so this is a whole nother bunch of people, a lot of people that rightfully so should be interested in improving their health. Because Type 2 diabetes and obesity, right? You don't, you don't wake up one day and that happened. It's a continuum. And all these things, you start from normal and you go down this continuum possibly to morbid obesity with uncontrolled diabetes and many other health problems. So why wouldn't it be fair to ask, what if we caught some of these people when they're having, maybe it starts out with vanity pounds even. And I'm not talking about somebody with psychological problems, but somebody who's like, yeah, yeah, you could probably use to lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds, whatever it is. So it may really have a place. And you're right, right now it would be off label. As a physician, I have a lower threshold for wanting to treat these people because I want to get it before it's a big problem. And this type of medication is proving so effective and so safe that it seems reasonable that I might start looking at that option. Now, as you mentioned earlier, cost has been a problem, but with the ability to get it through legitimate compounding pharmacies, maybe it won't be, and we can look at those cases as well. Now, I'd like to have more data, and the data is coming. There's all sorts of studies with this, because surely you and I aren't the only ones asking this question. A lot of people want to know if there's an easier way to lose weight. A lot of people in my profession look at weight problems and certainly obesity not as a personal failure and a choice, but it really needs to be looked at as a disease process. You can't just tell somebody to lose weight and they go lose weight. And we know being overweight, obese is an epidemic in our country, but our healthcare system seems so far behind. Oh, yeah. And I don't quite understand why that is. I mean, you can even look at a food pyramid, the standard American diet. Why does that still exist? It's so incorrect. It is so incorrect. There's so much misconception with with diets. Insurance companies, while they cover many other screenings and preventative types of medicine, this one's still very difficult. I think that will change. I'm sure they're, they're going to be able to look at, wow, we spent a bunch of money up front, but we saved a huge amount downstream, meaning return on investment, by getting people thinner. And this medication, by the way, I didn't mention earlier, is not just take it for three months and you're done. This is something that 
there isn't necessarily an endpoint. Certainly, there, the studies show people were at maximum dose for a little over a year. And I'm sure there's going to be additional studies coming out where you get longer timelines on that. But when we prescribe it for our diabetics, for example, it's for a chronic condition. It's indefinite. So, yeah, we have diabetics who have been on this medication for 10 years. And very safely. And maybe you should mention that it is titrated. You mentioned getting to the max dose. So you do work your way. You work your way up to it. And that takes a few months, just a few months, up to four months, right? So it is something that you may have to take long term and won't be a quick fix. And yeah, we want people to have lifestyle changes and be aware of the fact that there's a better way to eat and a better way to exercise. And it's incredible, though, this stuff is not really taught. There's very intelligent people that are really, really confused and clueless as to what a healthy diet even means. Some of it's common sense, but not all of it's common sense. Well, I wonder if COVID and its correlation with the death rate when you're obese maybe puts a little bit more pressure on the industry or with insurance companies to address that that underlying issue was a major contributor to mortality rates. It was profound. I had people with weight problems when they were getting COVID that were calling me in a panic because they had seen the news, they had seen the statistics. No one's going to argue over the fact that people who had obesity and got COVID were at a much higher risk for for having severe complications or death. So yeah, I was getting a lot of panicky phone calls. And it does drive home the point that being overweight and certainly obese and and on, really no good comes of it. Forget the self-esteem issues and psychological issues and the vanity issues, it's very unhealthy. And like every other health problem, we're looking to help people treat that. Sure, there's there's lifestyle changes and that's always going to be part of it. But this medication is a tool now that we can add to conventional advice to help people. Hopefully, it's not always about getting to their optimal weight. I mean, some people achieve that. But again, as I started to say in the beginning of the show, when you lose 15% of your body weight, that may be enough to literally undo a diagnosis of diabetes or get you off medications. What's interesting is that you're starting to see some fitness companies out there. I'm thinking of clothing companies that are, quote, being inclusive, but they're almost glamorizing. I don't even say almost. They are glamorizing all these different body shapes and sizes, which I agree that not everybody is 100 pounds running around real thin. That needs to be a model in these clothes. But we also can't promote somebody being overweight. It's unhealthy and there's a risk associated with this. And I'm thinking of a, I received a athleta email and I'm thinking they had this majorly obese woman on it in this workout clothes, like, you know, trying to empower her body. But I'm like, that is not healthy and we should not be putting that out in our culture. Yeah, it's an interesting question because you really don't want to to glorify it or normalize it, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe that's a better word, normalizing that. Yeah, and I understand why it's being done and there's maybe, well, there might be some good intentions, but it's probably also, if I'm this company, I'm like, hey, a third of the population's obese and we want them to buy our clothes too. Yeah. I'm sure it's actually a very you know, kind of selfish motives behind it. But I agree with you. And fat shaming, I also don't want, but it's got to be recognized, in my opinion, as an actual medical condition. Look, the people that we're talking about, when you say that, when we talk about obesity, this is obvious. Anybody who meets clinical criteria for obesity already knows they have a problem. These are not the people that we're picking on because, yeah, you could lose six and a half pounds. You'd look better in your in your clothes. This is not at all. It's not about the vanity. In fact, I tell patients, like, I'm not interested in the vanity pounds. I'm a doctor. I'm only interested in medical pounds for you, medical weight pounds. And so when I see pictures of people, 
in a sense, I feel like they're being exploited a little bit. I don't know what the answer is because the, the, the opposite's true too. For all these years, young women have grown up with these unrealistically skinny models, right? Thinking that that's how they're supposed to be. And I think that's caused some damage. So I sort of in general like the idea of, well, let's have some all shapes and sizes and colors and all that stuff. But I think the caveat is, as you're saying, you know, look, obesity is not a normal state. It's not a healthy state. It also doesn't mean the person's a bad person or a weak person. It really has to be looked at as a chronic condition. And we want to help. And now we have a medication to help. But again, as you said, I'd love to get people before they hit that point. I'd like to get them on the continuum when things are maybe just going a little sideways in terms of they're a little overweight. They don't meet any any medical criteria for obesity-related issues. But I see it coming. Their sugars are up. Their blood pressure is up. They're worried about the vanity pounds, but I'm looking at the medical pounds. And wouldn't that be a nice time to hit these people with something? Sure, it might just be advice on food, how to eat better, how to exercise better. But I am also want to be able to offer all the tools out there. Now, it might also be a pharmaceutical like semaglutide. Well, I think we covered a lot of good points today. Is there anything else that we didn't get to that you want to talk about? Because I think we'll eventually get to a part two of this and be able to as more studies and information comes out about semaglutide and Wagovi that we'll be able to touch on more topics as it's we progress. It's a moving target, Amy. I, I agree. And especially with some of the newer competition coming out. Yeah, there are studies pending. They're going to be coming out over the next, well, several years. I think there's one coming out, another one that'll be out possibly this year yet. So if we were to revisit this topic in six months or a year, it may we may have more insight. Yeah, especially as the studies start to come out about the microbiome and the gut health and insulin yeah. sensitivity versus insulin resistant. All of these things are moving target right now. So as the more data that flows in, will give us more to talk about. Stay tuned, right. So as always, I will post all the studies in our show notes. If you have any questions, you can email me at podcast at amystuttle.com and I'll get those over to Dr. Blonsky. And it always helps if you can like, share and rate the show. I really appreciate it. And everybody have a great day. 